You're listening to Irish Radio Candidate Home and Abroad, and I was delighted to receive two books of poetry from Dennis Stokes some time back. And I'm not a great one for reading poetry. In fact, I'm not a great one for reading at times, and I have to kind of set time aside because um, in these days of retire- <laughs> retirement, there's not enough time to do anything. But So, <laughs> so I um, set time aside, and I took the time to read some of Dennis's work. And um, what I found interesting was that a lot of his work is, um, I suppose, is based in and features uh, what we would be very familiar, which is Ireland. And uh, Dennis is in North Bay, so I'm kind of curious. Like, why would a guy in North Bay be writing Irish poetry? Dennis, thanks a million for coming along. Delighted to meet you and have a chat. Welcome. I'm here, Austin. Um, why is a guy from North Bay writing Irish poetry? It's a, it's a heck of a question. Um, it's simply, a, it, it was from an early, from early days, it was part of my formation as a person as well as a writer. So I grew up in Toronto, actually, and, uh, uh, I'm three quarters Irish. My, uh, my, uh, my dad was, uh, from Ireland, grew up in Dublin, but had roots in Tipperary and Mayo, and then my mother had roots on Hafferside from, uh, from County Cork particularly Blackwater Valley. And um, so I studied at University of Toronto, St. Michael's. And the year before that, I had a marvelous high school teacher who, uh, in the uh, in the free choice of novels that people could do, uh, one group was offered James Joyce's uh, Portrait of the Artist. And uh, then I began to really fall in love with uh, the rhythms and the resonances of, of Irish literature, albeit in the English language. And then my next year... St. Michael's, uh, we were lucky to have John, uh, Robert O'Driscoll, and he spent a lot of time um, looking at Beckett and Joyce, but particularly Yeats. He was a real Yeats aficionado. And I fell in love with Yeats uh, from day one, and then out of that, many other poets have been part of my uh, experience and my strengthening and my formation. And uh, it's helped me to make sense of sort of my own origins. My dad grew up in relative poverty to say the least, and uh, uh, my granny had a very, very hard life, and so that's, it's been part of my own kind of uh, grasp of my family's journey and a way into my own healing, and then if I'm three-quarters Irish, and I'm kind of one and three-quarters Irish now, Austin, because I've married, I married a, a lovely and patient woman from uh, County Armagh, and uh, that added a whole other dimension where uh, from day one we were going over over to Ireland on a regular basis, bringing the kids, uh, which made us very poor but very happy in our trips. And uh, we developed quite a, a love of her family and then developed a whole kind of appreciation of Northern Ireland from uh, visiting there uh, during the Troubles all the way to, to uh, just a year ago. We spent two two months in Cushendall. For, uh, yeah, so Dennis, where did you fall in love with poetry or when did you fall in love with poetry? Would it have been um, elementary school, high school? Um, cert- certainly in elementary school in different ways. Uh, um, and even in my own family, uh, my father was quite an orator. He was, he was involved with uh, um, the, uh, the labor union. Movement. And uh, when he retired, he was, he was assistant business agent for uh, Toronto Transit. So he... He wasn't well read when he came to Canada, but he became uh, very, very astute. 
thinker and speaker. And then my mother was very well read, even though she had a fairly limited education. So conversation, language, uh, discussion, debate, all of that was a huge part of our family. And there was always an appreciation of that. Remember my dad, Austin, uh, doing uh, night school classes, doing his grade 10 and 11 and 12 night school classes while he was studying to be an electrician prior to that. And I can remember hearing him listen to King Lear on a record. And I was ju- I just came back from Stratford uh, last week, uh, having seen King Lear for the maybe the fourth or fifth time there. And uh, so all of that really struck me. And then I grew up in that generation where our experience of music was is very grounded in, in poetry, too. So, you know, uh, obviously Dylan and Neil Young and all the uh, great Canadian songwriters, um, Bruce Coburn, Lightfoot, uh, Tony Mitchell, all of those people became stalwarts for me in getting a sense of uh, the poetic, poetic tongue, if you will. And Dennis, when would you then say that you would claim your first poem? That, that rather than be it that's an exercise at school or something, but your first, what you would class as a piece of work that you would <clears> hang um, hang your hat on. When would you, how far back would you um, that's, a, that's a heck of a question, Austin. I can remember being in the schoolyard in grade six, uh, um, sort of coming up with something. And so I would think of that as maybe the first attempted poetry, but my first poem that held water and held its ground, I think, would be in my first year university. Right. Um, right. You don't have that one to hand, do you? No, I don't. I don't. Oh, I, uh, I, I should have warned I should have warned you on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um it, it was it was quite formal and uh um for a spring chicken it was fairly well written. Um I think I've gone downhill ever since. It might be staying a um a Maple Leafs fan or something. So how many books of poetry at this stage have you published, Dennis? Um, probably six or seven collections, if you count chapbooks, but full, full-length full uh, collections. It's, uh, it's, it's the two that I sent you, and then I have another one that's circling the, uh, uh, the publishers right now, getting very, very enthusiastic rejections, uh, but nevertheless appreciative. I feel very strongly about that book. And that, that comes more out of uh, the... Uh, Northern experience, uh, BC, Northern Quebec, and Northern Ontario. Um, and then there's there's a thread of poems coming out of my time in Africa. So all of that kind of comes together with uh, a different kind of take on the universe, if you will. Okay. Um, so time to, to read one for us. Yes. What are you going to read? Um, I'll start off with the... Uh, uh, one of the first Irish poems I ever read, but you would call Irish poems. And it was after visiting um, Ireland for the first, uh, Dublin for the first time. And this, of course, was my, my dad had a kind of Angela's Ashes childhood without the alcohol or a mental health uh, scenario. But uh, when I was driving um, down O'Connell Street for the first time, well, I wasn't driving or I wouldn't be alive here to, to talk to you. Um, my brother-in-law was driving, my wife and uh, my sister-in-law. But I remember the lines from uh, Patrick Kavanaugh, one of my favorite poets from Ireland, uh, saying, if ever you go to Dublin town. And I said, well, here I am, Patty, going to Dublin town. So out of this poem, um, out of that, this poem came. Those of you who uh, might 
appreciate Yates. You'll hear a kind of a little phantom, uh, what they would call in the poetic world a rhyme royale kind of format, which Yates wrote a lot of. So I was really trying some uh, tricky uh, stick work, whether it was hockey or hurling, I'm not sure which, Dublin in the sunlight. <laughs> I went to Dublin in the sunlight. Bullets had sculptured remembrance there. Now the liffy runs over me like women's hair. In Stephen's green, oaks told of a long fight among those columns. What strange voice invaded that fair town? Those were my people, their litanies figured within each chapel. They went to Dublin in the sunlight, Arnell and Moore, Collins, Joyce. They caught their heart kicked, rolling the square. I walked around Dublin. It was Sunday. Sermons boomed across a crowd of reeds. It was the dead chanting beneath the weeds. Pubs spilled into streets this and that way, smithics and guinnets. Endless reveries of matches, men, saints, all schemes woven for a fly to entice a stream. I walked around Dublin on a Sunday, Hibernian Dublin, of assumptions, mockeries of granddad, granny, laid carefully as seeds. I moved through Dublin through twilight. Lovers touched each other between weakening walls. I breathed glorious fatigue. Farmers lined stalls, warped blind. A man tripped me. New sight, mists, young and old, gathering the ghosts. Fine fern, a real jigging space bridge. Our humors, spirits starved, a wakeful urge. I moved through Dublin in the twilight. Swans dragged crosses, mailed homes to other coasts. In a window, a face nodded to a bouncing ball. I went to Dublin in the sunlight. Mother, I felt a childhood crawl. Beautiful. Thank you. Very, very nice. Um, yeah, the um, I, I was watching a movie um, the last few nights in the Irish Film Festival, the documentary, and it's covering Kavanagh and Brendan Behan and uh, um, all the poets around Dublin. Uh, and fascinating how a literary city, how much of a literary city it is, and Joyce. Um, so uh, inspirational in, in very many ways. Did you spend time uh, other than visiting? Were you like uh, Your experience of Ireland is purely as a visitor. Would that be... No, I, I wouldn't. I mean, in Africa, Chichewa um, talked about uh, visitors are like goo. They, they come and they evaporate quickly. But most of our times when we went there uh, over the years, and we're talking literally over 40 years, not the uh, spring chicken you think you're looking at there, Austin. And uh, so most of the time we would go for the summers or even a little longer in some times. And, and we would, for certainly the first 20 years, uh, Prior to my brother-in-law's death, um, tragic death at 47, most of the time we would stay with, with the kid's granny and my brother-in-law, and most of my wife's family would be around there. Right. So we would we would hang out with them. I, I would go to Gaelic football games with my brother-in-law, Noel, and uh, my brother-in-law, Harry, uh, had a little vegetable business where he would deliver deliver uh, veggies all across, all across Northern Ireland, and I, I would give him a few days' help you know, loading up the veggies and sometimes pulling pulling vegetables and so on. And so uh, I would say that uh, I got pretty well woven into 
the lifestyle and so on. I, I wouldn't say I developed the command of it. Certainly, I developed a, a kind of command of the of the lexicon and the rhythms that I think informed a lot of those um, poems and, and some fiction that I'm working on. But that said, also uh, I was also going down and visiting a different place, particularly uh, friends of my my father's uh, for the first few years. I remember going to Glasnevin for the first time, and and um, my dad's uh, family friends, the Doyles, brought me there to see my granny and granddad's grave. Mm-hmm. So there were there were many levels and layers, and then um, at some point I began to befriend other Irish writers, and so that became a whole different experience in terms of seeing Ireland through the lens of fellow writers, but also being seen as indeed a fellow writer um, deserving of, of some kind of respect in the odd time, you know. And I guess where my question was coming from, and you answered it wonderfully, was that yeah, you were able to spend adequate time immersed with um, people who were permanent residents. So you weren't, you, you weren't just a fly on the wall. You were, you were part of, and as a result of being part of, you got all the various nuances and were able to absorb and, and uh, reflect on those and reflect them back. Um, yes. Yeah, powerful. Um, we're going to have to wrap up, I'm afraid. If anyone wants to get their hands on some of your work, where is the best place, Dennis, to, to get stuff? Um, if, if they're in the North Bay area, they could, uh, you know, just uh, go online and, and find me on Facebook, so to speak. Uh, okay. Um, most of the books are available uh, through Amazon. Okay. At this point. Yeah. And then, uh, depending on the town you're in, there are in bookstores. So there's, they're, you know, they're available uh, in Midland, Ontario, Aurelia, uh, certain Toronto, uh, Durham bookstores. I don't know if there's any in, in Ottawa, but you have your, your copies, so you're all set. Yeah. Um, and then so certainly in northern Ontario. So basically the independent booksellers, I take it? Most, most yes. Um, yeah. But if you if you go on Amazon, you'll, you'll, get, you'll get them. Wonderful. Uh, and I appreciate this very much. Uh, the, the publisher is... Living in Romania, uh, even though the publisher is out of Toronto, uh, she went home to Romania to look after her mother at the beginning of COVID. So right. um, I've been uh, just taking wee like curly snacks with the book in all kinds of directions and seeing where they land, you know. Right. Um, let's wrap up with another reading. What would you like to wrap up with? Maybe I'll read. Uh, I'll still read the, the, the one book's tunnel jumping, and there's a lot of poems about uh my dad and my grandfather and that maybe i'll read a, a poem uh, about my granddad on my mother's side so my granddad uh um his family's from the blackwater valley i uh, he he was part of that community that uh uh was in the uh, or not he but his family was in the uh, early um origins of peterborough town of peterborough peter robinson okay. yes um and so there are references to that so here's the poem it's called chevrons which is also a little pun on the uh, name of the street I grew up in. And my granddad grew up just one street, or not grew up, Freudian slip, but uh, lived just a uh, street over. They were low, broken arrows on my grandfather's shoulders. His dog tagged adventures grounded for now. His uniform, a dark green mystery in a trunk, closed into oneself in a lost corner, George Street. Peterborough's river's dreams, that round table, I tripped over, thinking of him as I, too, sipped beer, Morrissey. When young, 
public streets I walked, my grandfather walked, young, bluer, Kennedy, Chevron. It was like walking into a shadow out of a shadow. I would have his hands packed school books again, as at that Scarborough plant engagements in learning, disengagements in time's dreams. To see this pen as a tiny torch I carry without his name, of the names we'd known, Keon, or Massett Creek, Asquith, Cork, Doretti, broke into our blood like bread. To see his cigarette light turn down Kenmark, around his corner, home to his apartments, the dark gathering around him, his lungs cleared still, heart strong as a young man courting, to be to dream beyond his dream of sketches, poems, too much to deserve whatever left over time God gives this man, this healthy and glad after his own small following. It would be to make less of a man behind your own life, not your father yet, True within his own fathering, not the womb of life, as with each yellow rose in your grandma's lamp, but a shaping of nature and clay in time given, time almost taken for granted, all value sealed in his quiet, desperate envelopes, and carried to the post box, HFC, sealed in prayers I'll never know, but glimpse after his night shift, beyond the church's charging rail, value sealed in the way pants and jackets hardly ever match, and in your hands as you walk, your daughter's hand. And dad, last night I walked through the snowfall under the lamp, your daughter's walking with me. I thought of you. I thought of telling this to you. And that was Chevron's from Tunnel Jumping by Dennis, Dennis Stokes. And the earlier poem we heard was uh, uh, from his collection, The Blackstock Children. And it was um, I, uh, du- uh, Dublin in the sunlight. Um, Dennis, it's been a real pleasure. Thanks a million for taking the time. You know, maybe we'll get time to con- connect again and follow up on some of the work, particularly if you're doing a bit of fiction and see where that goes. That'd be great.